Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a person who has been on the podcast multiple times for exciting live shows, but is now here one-on-one, great comedian, Riley Silverman. Hello. Yeah, I'm in the hot seat today. <laughs> That's right. I don't have any, uh, any other funny people to back me up if I, uh, if I can't think of a good thing to say. I'm going to comedy grill you in the hot oh. seat. Uh, so... Can you tell people a little bit about who you are, what you do? Yeah, I uh, so I know Joseph from doing stand-up. We actually met, you were doing a show at the Nerdist uh, School Theater. Yeah. And it was called Joseph Grimshaw's Comedy Dreamtime. Yeah. And the idea of the show was you made comedians that were on the show tell you their deepest fantasies, and then you try to make them a reality on the show. You were very much a, uh, you, you were, uh, what's the Fantasy Island guy's name? I just lost my turn of thought. Oh, but You were that yeah. guy. They were the Fantasy Mr. Island Rourke? guy. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And so uh, it was you. You and uh, a guy who would say, who point out airplanes. So, uh, yeah, Everybody it was, villages? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And I told you, cause it was right around the time that David Letterman was retiring. Yeah. And I told you that I had always dreamed of being on Letterman show. And so you, I, I tasked you with basically creating a fake episode of, of the late show. Yeah. It and ended up did. being really fun. It was great. It was yeah. so fun. So that's you, how I met. Yeah. Yeah. You pitched it. Uh, I think more exciting than the actual concept was of the deepest fantasy. Yeah. yeah. It was like the deepest comedy fantasy. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't like it wasn't like well I've always wanted to have a threesome it wasn't that kind of thing and like suddenly yeah, we show up and Jennifer Lawrence is there like I don't know welcome to my comedy show just comedians crying and having threesomes that's <laughs> what they all want for some reason just I comedians finally having their dad tell them they love them <laughs> it was great. yeah it was, it was tons of fun I think that might have been one of my my favorite uh, requests that I got from anybody it was great uh, because I I got a lot of uh, time spent watching David Letterman yeah and doing prep. A, awkward impression which i think is the best kind of impression to do yeah and you, you had somebody in the audience be your band leader and like oh, uh, yeah, it was right. great it was really fun like yeah. it, and like it was for like what is a very even the phrase black box theater would be like too grandiose for what this space yes. is but it's still it was fun to turn almost little like like i don't know like a three by three box basically yes. into a like tv studio almost cool. a literal hole in the wall yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's literally a storefront that they knocked all, a door into and made into a theater so. yeah and they fancied it up now yeah it's great man this was rugged back in the day yeah a year and a half ago <laughs> they didn't have risers they just put chairs in a row <laughs> just on the floor like, like savages <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i uh, i have i've been doing stand-up since 2001 i have been in la for seven years um and I uh yeah I'm a Hoovian and a uh, I mean just a nerd in general but yeah um, I guess I, I don't know why I brought up why I'm on the show but um yeah I'm trying to think of what else I need to say about me to the audience I think it's good you yeah you're yeah. a comedian but you where were you from originally because that sometimes comes up Ohio. Columbus Ohio okay so cool. yeah we both have some Midwestern roots but you're from like the northern tip of the Midwest right yeah Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah Minneapolis in particular uh yeah so you mentioned Hoovian because yeah. that's what you're here about today yeah indeed but yeah I, in general Doctor I have a Who. geek I have a geek vibe to me and I, I, don't, I think you're the kind of geek that I am where you're not the kind of geek that's like scoffing at people for not knowing the things that you know like yeah. you seem the kind of geek like I am where you're like you're excited when people don't know something about a thing because you can like bring them in like you want to introduce people to things and have have them have the joy you have for it yeah and absolutely that's, that's my approach to like all fandoms like, I get so frustrated when anybody is like like I, I you know I had a guy get mad at me recently because I, I had not yet watched a Tom Baker Doctor Who because by virtue of my old podcast I used to do a Doctor Who podcast audience I was working my way through all of the doctors. Yeah. And so we, we ended the podcast around the time at the end of the uh, Pertwee era. Yeah. And so I had not yet gotten to Baker because my podcast ended on bad terms and I was like bummed and I didn't get like the spirit of watching Doctor Who for a while again. And I got back into it and I posted that I was watching Tom Baker and this guy was like, you did a Doctor Who podcast? You even watched Tom Baker? I'm like, the whole point of my podcast <laughs> was that I hadn't watched Tom Baker. Like it was the weirdest thing. Yeah. He's like, you'd be like doing a basketball podcast and you haven't seen Michael Jordan play. I'm like, you know, some kid in his 20s might do a basketball podcast who never watched Michael Jordan play. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, they might think of LeBron James and Kobe as their Jordans. So, yeah. yeah, and that's pretty cool to have a big epic pause right before a truly great part of Doctor Who. In my yeah, opinion. I and I honestly, I think it was a good way. It was a good idea to have that palate cleanse because, and if I was watching the show real, I would have had that like season break. Yeah, but I 
boy, I love Tom Baker. And like, and it's funny because I've heard a lot of. Uh, I know we're not here to talk about all Doctor Who, but <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say that Robot's not that great of a story. I loved Robot. I thought it was so fun, yeah. and I loved Baker from the get go. Like, I'm like, I'm going to really enjoy these seven years of this guy, or at least until he goes crazy. Like, yeah. yeah, I think a lot of the DNA of what the uh, new series ended up being, which is how you came into Doctor Who, mm-hmm. is from that early era of Tom Baker that meshed. Uh, yeah. A sense of humor, a sense of family with the companions, and a sense of the gothic and the mysterious and the scary. All of that oh, yeah. is baked into the early Tom Baker. So yeah. uh, I did want to say, because I'm already doing it, that I do all these different kinds of episodes of Obsessed. And sometimes they're like, ah, it's something I know nothing about. Yeah. And other things, like your particular obsession, which we're going to get into specifically within Doctor Who, yeah. is something I like a lot, too. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'm you'd gonna, be excited. Yeah. Right? I was like, I bet you... I, I, when I pitched this, he'll say yes before the email is sent. Like, <laughs> Psychically. I, yeah. yeah. I did a, uh, I did uh, last night at the, the Nerdist main stage, I did the Disney princesses roast mm-hmm. and they asked me to be Elsa. And as like a girl, as a trans girl who never got to play princesses growing up, yeah. like literally like before I read the email, I'm like, before I even knew who they were asking me to play or anything like they were like offering me, I was like, yes, I'll do it. Like I think <laughs> the next line could have been, you're going to be Quasimodo. And I'm like, well, I already said yes. So I'm in this, but no, they let me be this, the ice queen herself. So it was oh, great. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so since I know it well and I love it, I, I might throw some things in, but I also try to do a good job of, of stepping back and recontextualizing so we don't go entirely down a Doctor Who rabbit hole. Yeah, for and people who aren't have no idea what we're talking about. Uber Doctor Who fans. Yeah. You know, yeah, Perfect. I will be try to be careful about that. Uh, my other strange disclaimer that I wanted to talk to you about before we get into this. Sure. So your obsession is the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi. Capaldi. Are we saying Capaldi? Yes. Yes. Now... All of the research that I have done is that it is pronounced Peter Capaldi. Yeah, but and everybody I know calls that to be it correct. Capaldi. I know that to be correct, Capaldi, and yet I still say Capaldi. And it's, I think my natural just tone wants to say it. But it yeah. is Capaldi. It is 100% correct. Yeah. But Okay, so I'm going to say Capaldi because yeah, yeah. I got a thing about trying to get people's names right. And I'm going <laughs> to pretend that I'm going to say it, and I'm still going to say Capaldi, even though it's I know it's Capaldi. It's a weird yeah. thing. Like, we were both at Gallifrey 1 this year, mm-hmm. and I heard everybody saying Peter Capaldi, and I feel like most of those people know it's Capaldi. Yeah. And it was this weird sort of group think of, like... Is somebody going to yell at me if I say it correctly? I do wonder if it's one of those things, too, where the British accent or the Scottish brogue, as it would be with with him, screws it up for Americans listening to it. Because, yeah. like, for example, so for non-Doctor Who people listening to this podcast, the villains of the the number one villains of the Doctor are called the Daleks. And they're yeah. like the Klingons of Doctor Who, basically. They're like, they're like iconic. They've been there since the second episode. They have bumps, too. Yeah, yeah just exactly. Like the <laughs> yes, exactly. And... Uh, the first time I ever saw one, I thought it was it's spelled D-A-L-E-K. I thought it was spelled D-A-R-L-E-K because Brits often will say an R at the end of their A's. <laughs> yeah. And so like like the first time I heard it, and then also David Tennant, especially, who is Scottish, but using a fake London accent. <laughs> so he'd be like, oh, it's a Dalek. And I, I, for the longest time, thought it was, until I saw it written, I was like, oh, it's okay, it is Dalek. It is Dalek. Yeah, like, yeah. it sounds like some exotic, uh, you know, something you'd put in a soup to add flavor. I threw yeah. a Dalek in there. Yeah, yeah. Right now, it's <laughs> very tasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so your obsession is with Cali. the... Capaldi, the 12th Doctor. Yes. The Doctor, the main character who regenerates the latest incarnation. Yes. You are super into. Love him. What Soon to be gone. What's speaking to you, what spoke to you, what is speaking to you about this incarnation of the Doctor? Okay. So, like you said, I got into the show with the Revival series. So, I've watched from the beginning of Eccleston's run. Christopher Eccleston was the first Doctor back when yeah. they revived it. And they've gone through him to David Tennant and to Matt Smith and then to Peter Capaldi, the 12th Doctor, with one Doctor in between. We don't need to get into that today. <laughs> um, but rest in peace, John Hurt. Anyway, um, so, I always really liked David Tennant's doctor and for the longest time when someone would say like who is your doctor I would say Tennant because he was fun he was goofy he wore red chucks it was great like he had a good pompadour haircut and I liked him he had a good like vibe to him he was the doctor who really brought everybody back Eccleston's great but he was the one who made this show explode yeah yeah and then Smith kind of brought in like a whole new audience like of all younger people who had never seen it before and gave it this like fairy tale vibe because like the way they structured his character and so Capaldi is the Capaldi is the (laughs) The twelfth Doctor is the uh, the Doctor after him, and it kind of takes it back to a more old school Doctor Who vibe with some of that newness mixed into it. So that's yeah. kind of what's cool about it. As as somebody who was at that time diving into 
classic Who and watching a lot of uh, William Hartnell and even Patrick Troughton and, and to some degree John Pertwee, seeing kind of that gruff alienness mixed with the kind of more friendly and like emotional like doctors that I'd already gotten to love was really interesting and cool to me. It was like okay. a whole thing. And I, now that I've gone back and watched more Eccleston, I see that a lot of that in him as well. But what really first sold me on Capaldi is that his first series premiered in 2014, like in the summer, like the fall of 2014. And around that time was when I was really starting to seriously consider taking hormone replacement therapy to transition. Cause okay. I'm, I'm a trans woman. If I didn't say that, I think I said it earlier, yeah. but so the, I am a trans woman. And so I had been out for a while. I came out in 2009, but I had not decided to transition medically until that point. And I didn't start taking the medicine until that following March because of appointments and waiting and stuff okay. like that. But I was like, at that point was like really being like, I think this is something I'm going to do. So I'm then watching the first episode of Capaldi's run, Deep Breath. And it is, it's a mixed bag of episode. I actually love it. And a lot of people hate it. A lot of people hate that entire series. I love that whole series. But that episode ends with this scene where the doctor is standing in front of his companion, Clara. Now, for non-Hoovians, the doctor always has a companion who is usually a human, usually from contemporary Earth, especially in the modern show. Yeah. And they are meant to be a person who is kind of serving as a surrogate to the audience so that all the wonder and, and weirdness that's happening is explained to that person so the audience kind of gets it too. Yeah. So Clara has been the companion of the previous Doctor. She has now seen him change his face, which is part of the show, as the Doctor regenerates and a new actor comes in. Basically, when they, when they want to leave the show, they replace him with a new actor. And so she has seen him right in front of her change from being this, like, giddy Matt Smith, this kind of cranky, little little problematic uh, Capaldi character and he's an older man and he's gruff and he's confused and he's standing on the street with her and he's talking to her and he says this phrase that is like I'm standing right in front of you and you don't see me and do you have any idea how hard that is mm. and that hit me so so hard because that okay. was like exactly like how I felt about myself and my place in the world was like, I am right here and and no one can see me. Yeah. Like they see this person that I'm not really. And I'm like underneath it and like no one knows my identity or whatever. Even people who knew me and knew that I was trans like didn't see me. And that, that was like a thing for me. Right. And that episode still like when I watch it, like it makes me sob. But it also like maybe imprinted me on his doctor a little bit because it okay. also yeah that's what i wanted to ask about because i can totally yeah. understand a story of regeneration having layers and meaning yeah. to you going through that process do you think that it would have been just as powerful if that same exchange had happened with a different doctor or was it something about capaldi and the character's delivery that made that idea even more powerful to you oh i think it definitely is capaldi because when Matt Smith, the previous doctor, is regenerating into Capaldi, he also has a big speech that's yeah. like kind of like the bookend of this sense of feeling that I had. Like that was the end of the year when I was still like, I don't know what's happening and like the next year. Okay. But it was this whole speech about how we're all different people throughout our lives and we change and it's okay to become a different person or change because as long as you were in the line is you just remember all the people that you used to be. Yeah. And that is a beautiful poignant quote. And it meant a lot to me at that time, but it didn't hit me the way that Capaldi's thing did because Capaldi has so much more pain in his yeah. delivery of it. Like I it's out of all the years that I had been watching Dr. Who. And even when I watched like classic who, it's the first time that I've seen a doctor where I feel like I actually see him afraid of being alone because he's lonely. Like, every other doctor is afraid of being alone because they go do crazy things and destroy the universe and they don't have a person keeping them in check or whatever. You know, like like Matt, like so they'll just, like David Tennant tries to avoid his own yeah, destiny or whatever. I think, yeah, I think the 10th doctor, David Tennant, can sometimes be like, almost a little emo. Like, I'm just staring out watching a rainstorm. Yeah. And then Capaldi's like, you're a grown human facing actual horrible existential dread. Yeah. Like, there's a weight to it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Capaldi, yeah. It's like, he's just... And the idea is he's so much older now, too, and he's been through so much stuff. Yeah. But And then just, I think the way that Capaldi plays that character, 
he gives him a vulnerability that I don't think I've ever really, and it's an, I guess, yeah, it's a realistic organic vulnerability because, you know, when they're writing these scripts, especially that year, I, I mean, I've read a lot about it about how they don't really try to write the script tailor made to the actor playing yeah. the part. They kind of, they, they kind of just keep writing the same scripts and let the actor kind of take over the role a little bit. And then as they go, they kind of naturally start writing towards what the actor is doing. Yeah. Like with, they, they said with Capaldi and Smith, like, they realized quickly they had to make right a bit funnier scripts for Capaldi than they did for Smith because Smith would take like dark scripts and make them funny because he was so whimsical. Yeah. Whereas Capaldi would take all the dark things and like elevate them like crazy. <laughs> and then like they, like, so they actually had to write funnier things for him because he'd make the funny stuff more like dry humor or whatever. And yeah. like more and like not as like loopy. And then like the dark stuff they had to like tone down because he was so good at being smoldering and angsty. Yeah, I mean or he's wry. Like uh, yeah. you know, you have to check your body for actual open cuts. He's so like sharp with yeah. his little his wit and his humor and making things that are not jokes. Yeah, jokes. exactly. I, I I love about it. And I, I I had watched the thick of it before I watched his Doctor Who run. Okay. And so I already had seen him on full Malcolm Tucker. Like so the thick of it was a British sitcom that was uh, created by the same guy who created Veep, and it was very similar kind of show. It was like set in the um, the Parliament, the yeah, the British, um, not even the Parliament, like where the it's like it's like the cabinet offices would be in the Britain, okay. like whatever the executive offices, like and so like the Department of Public Works, or whatever, the and, modern castle, <laughs> yeah, and so, yes, exactly, they were all knights, and uh, he was playing the spin doctor that worked for the Prime Minister, and so his job was always to come down and like get people in line when they were kind of going off message or off party voice, like talking points or whatever, yeah, and he swears like a like like a sailor. <laughs> um, there's like a YouTube video of him, and there's a movie made that's kind of a spinoff of the show called uh, In the Loop, and okay. there's like literally like a YouTube video that counts the amount of time he drops the f bomb in the video. Um, that's great. Yeah, so I kind of went on a rant there. So Sorry, oh no, it's fine. So, questions. so yeah. So obviously, you you appreciate him um, from this very emotional place that you you met him. You uh, like a Doctor Who fan can can go off on a, a litany of, of Doctor Who connections. Yeah, but I know you in reasons to appreciate him from the context of how he plays the Doctor. You have a tattoo, right? Yes. And this is a quote. Is it a picture of him? It I don't actually, think I've seen... it's the words "deep breath" from okay. the episode that I mentioned, and it's actually written in like a clockwork format. Oh, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, and it actually has a hidden twelve in the B. If, I don't know if you <laughs> use show notes, we could take a picture of it. Yeah, yeah, we'll take school. a picture of it. So, and it was designed by a uh, really great tattoo artist in LA named Emily Effler, and she works at the Honorable Society. I'll give her a plug. And I had just told her like, "Hey, I just want a clock." theme and i wanted to say deep breath and i want to hidden 12 and i i assumed i was gonna get a clock face pointing at the 12 and that's what it was gonna be <laughs> but uh she made this really cool thing where she wrote the words deep breath in yeah font. and it's it works twofold for me and then it reminds me of that episode but also it's a reminder to myself when i'm stressing out and freaking out to take a deep breath and yeah. like relax and calm down and it has worked for me many like, there's been times where i've been like really anxious and stressed out and i look down at my arm like i'm having almost like a panic attack almost and i yeah. look down at my arm and go all right no i can do this okay and yeah and for you, is that tattoo, is it is it all about that moment in that idea in that one show? Or is it more largely like you feel like that is a little horcrux for 12th Doctor? It's a little bit of both. Because um, I do think that like, I definitely think that part of what I like about the 12th Doctor is that when I when I used to say like oh Tenet is my doctor when I watched him because he was like fun and goofy he's like oh I'd like to be like that yeah but when I watched the twelfth Doctor I'm like I kind of am like that oh interesting because his okay. his doctor can be a little cranky he's funny um he has he's he did he says he hates puns seems to like to make them laugh for someone who says he hates them which is I I admit that I love puns but what's interesting but here's for him is he's he's flawed like he's not perfect and he. He screws up. Like, he gets things wrong, and when he gets them wrong, he's, like, mad about them. He tells people to shut up when he's wrong, and, like, <laughs> he, like, pushes people away. He doesn't know how to let people in in a way that I think that I, unfortunately, kind of have as well. Like, uh, in, especially in Series 8, there's a lot of stuff with him not knowing how to deal with Clara because, like, he's going through such a weird crisis of, like, identity and not knowing who he yeah. is. And he wants her to be around but doesn't know how, and he's, like, very – keeps her at arm's length – yeah. In a way that's like destructive for both of them, and like it blows up at one point. And I think, unfortunately, that's a tendency that I see in myself a lot too. And uh, but the fact that he perseveres and gets through it, and like tries to be better, and doesn't let himself live in that like dark, doesn't like let himself just accept like, no, I'm not a good person. I'm just gonna stop trying. Like he's yeah. like, okay, if knowing this is a problem that I have, I have to keep always being better. Yeah, and that's also kind of what this is for for me. Okay. Like, like, if I'm stressing out, it's like, don't let this overwhelm you. Like, you have to 
be better. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool because I, I do feel like his character is uh, sort of burdened and honored by having a better, a fuller picture of who he is. Yeah, I think so. And like a lot of the doctors throughout it, even in the classic series, that which didn't go as emotionally deep, there's like fun jokes where the doctor is kind of in denial about questionable things that he has done yeah. or about his emotions. And it seems like uh, what's great about the 12th doctor is he might not be able to deal with the totality of who he is, but he is cognizant of the totality of yeah. who he is, which is like, hey, first step. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for you. it's great. Yeah, and, and keeps moving into that. Uh, it's cool that you say that you relate to him I, on like very deep and meaningful ways. I think there's also a lot to relate to him just because of his style and his look. Yeah. And like his, not, not just almost the surface level things of like, uh, obviously just his jacket is really cool. I love Everything that about him coat. is like oh sharp. My God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, his, that he, there are all the jokes about the attack eyebrows, but that yeah. matches sort of the wit and he's got like a speed and a mm-hmm. movement to him. And for me, he's been very inspiring to see an older person. I mean, he's older than me. Yeah. To see an older person who just still feels like you are living the hell out of life. Yeah. And they That's got better inspiring. with that in later seasons. Like, let's season, like, there's only been two that have aired, but in season, <laughs> series nine and the Christmas specials, too. Like, you know, in series nine, we kick him off and he, he, like, we kick off the season with him, like, hiding away in, like, medieval times and he's, like, playing guitar and making puns and having, like, weird, like, like pun battles in this, like, arena. And it's, like, just, like, it's just, like, version of a doctor that I'd never seen before. And yeah. I, it's a fantastic. Yeah. He's just so into being who he is in yeah. a way that's like in that like a 55 56 year old playing guitar should look like it's trying too hard yeah and it's in it, it's just like no this is what i want to do yeah and i think the fact that peter capaldi himself is a massive massive doctor who fanboy and has grown up obsessed with doctor who and i think he watched it from the very beginning or close to it and was like annoying to the people who <laughs> were making the show like yeah. he was that kind of fan so whenever he's playing this you just see the joy in him from doing it whenever yeah. he's being interviewed about it and that, like the fact that he was like crying on the bbc radio when he announced that he was leaving the show because it hurt him to have to do it but he knew it was the right thing to do yeah which is a very doctory thing to do um but just <laughs> I like i don't want to go yeah yeah oh. <laughs> the I think that joy comes out of him. And I think that that's what translates into those. Like he's living it up and he's just doing it and like going for it. Like there's a scene, in the first se- first series of his series eight where he's like trapped in the TARDIS and he like thinks he's like bested the enemy. It's like the flat lines. <laughs> and he like, cause you're like, this TARDIS is shrinking. He can't get out of it, but he like reaches his arm out of it and like walks himself. Oh, up yeah. the and then he like goes and like, does like a little dance to the <laughs> control panel. to like brag that he's doing it. And it's just so ridiculous that he does it or whatever. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah. So a theoretical question based on your love. If you went home after we're done podcasting Mm -hmm. and the TARDIS materialized in your apartment and the 12th Doctor was there and said, come travel with me. Yeah, in a heartbeat. You'd go with him. Yeah, even though I know it would probably end up killing me, I would go with him. Yeah. (laughs) So that's your first thought. After A, I want to go for sure. Yeah. And I am probably going to die. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you feel like you could offer him as... As a companion. Oh, not a thing. No, I couldn't. <laughs> I know. I would just, I would know a lot about him. I would be, I would be those Linda people in season, there's, there's a group of people in one episode that are like crazy fans of the doctor. Yeah. That's who I would be. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm like, I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm a writer, but I don't, and I'm a comedian. I don't know the doctor. He's already so funny. I don't know if he needs, but you know what? He has, he has a uh, Nardle right now. He has that like, uh, Matt, uh, what's his last name from, from Little Britain? I can't remember. Um, yeah. But they had, so they already have one like wacky comedian character in the TARDIS. I can just keep him. I can just like be a more dry version of whatever they have him doing. And like, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and I bring representation to the TARDIS. We can have a trans character in the TARDIS. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Um, um, I think, I think what I could bring to him is, because I recognize a lot of his character faults in myself, like I think I might be like a good sympathetic ear for him and someone okay. who kind of understand what he's dealing with and like maybe like help we can work stuff out together or we could take each other down and the thing which he just <laughs> wants to do as well. You could spiral. All yeah. right. So it's not so much that you would be able to challenge and push him. You would be like, hey, I understand. Uh, I freak out about things too, questions of trying to be the best person I can be. This yeah. tattoo, I suggest this tattoo of your quote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that would help out. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think one of the interesting parts of his storyline so far is that, well, this this story is resolved, but the idea that he appears to want to make his companion be like him. Yeah. Both in 
good ways and in bad ways, pushing her to be risky and take chances and do dubious things. Would you ever want to take on that 12th Doctor role and train another person to be like you? No, and I, I think he's conflicted on whether or not he should be doing that. Like, I think I don't think he means to be doing it, and then when he catches himself doing it, he's mad at himself, but then he keeps doing it anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think that's what I would probably be like. It's be like, no, I don't want to be doing this to people, and then, like, three hours later, I'm still doing it. He's still doing the same thing he's doing, where it's yeah. like, because that's the thing with Clara, like, even as far back as Series 8 is an episode, the same one I mentioned, the Flatlines one, where she kind of becomes the main character of this episode, it was written to be a Peter Capaldi light episode, because like, okay. they, they wrote, like, three scenes of him in the TARDIS, and then everything that's happening, or outside of the TARDIS is happening, it's edited together well. She keeps calling herself the doctor, like, she's like, I'm the doctor, and today I was a really good doctor, and he's like, you were a great doctor, goodness had, she's like, wasn't I good at being a doctor? He's like, you were a terrific doctor, but goodness had nothing to do with it. It was like this weird thing where he wouldn't give her, like, a cookie for being the validation, a doctor. Yeah. yeah. He's trying to say, like, I'm not happy that you're the doctor, like, I'm actually sad that you are. And, like, yeah. in season nine, series nine, it feels like he's, like, constantly afraid she's going to end up hurting herself because of, like, she's trying to be like him. And he's like, I regenerate. Like, I have <laughs> endless lives, possibly. You yeah. don't have that. And, like, it does end up killing her. So. Yeah. He's so, right to be concerned. I guess my question is, do you have a quality that you would want to pass on? Because it, my interpretation of that storyline was he knew there was bad things about being the doctor, but he also knew being the doctor helps people. Helps people. Yeah. And also is a, a, a traits of thinking quickly and realizing that any problem can be solved. Yeah. So it seems like he wanted to, to pass on those good things, but with them he was passing on this baggage. So what yeah. what traits would you want to pass on to someone? Oh, I understand. Okay. Um, um, yeah, because you're right. He has that whole thing about like wanting to believe everyone can eventually talk out all their problems if they try hard enough. Like, does that yeah. great? Yeah. I think that... I am a fairly empathetic person. I, I think that I sometimes to a fault will see nuance to a lot of situations. Okay. And it can be tough, especially like in a world of the internet where people want to argue extreme points of view on every topic. And yeah. I'm very much the person who often sees the gray area in between things. And then I get very frustrated with people because I'm trying to talk to them about what's in the middle and they want to keep putting me on whatever extreme of their point of view is. Okay. And so I would like more people to be maybe more like I am, where I would like people to maybe... And it's not even about like being a moderate, for example, but it's about being like, hey... Everybody is a three-dimensional flawed person. And yeah. so maybe like there is something we can talk about in the middle. Like maybe like maybe don't assume everyone is coming from an insincere position. Maybe don't assume everyone's coming from a negative position. Like maybe people often are trying to do the best they can with the information they have. And like sometimes people are going to be cruel. And, and unfortunately, in the, in the doctor's world, it's the case too. Sometimes people are trying to invade a society. But sometimes yeah. there's just a misunderstanding that goes deeply back for generations and can be talked out and worked out. Okay. And, yeah. That's cool. So you would want the tattoo that somebody gets based on you to be like, see the gray. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. That'll be my series. Uh, I'll be the next doctor. That'll be my, my premiere episodes title. I'll be, I'll, I will be, they should cast me because I would be more controversial than I'm American. Than yes. I, not that I'm a trans woman. That is the only issue I would have with it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would try to see past, but man. I don't blame you. Doctor Who is British. No, I should be British. British. Oh, I should be British. Um, another, I think, uh, interesting facet of the 12th Doctor's run is that they really made it a part of the show that he regenerated into someone he had met before physically, that he yeah. shared the face with somebody he'd met before with the general message of that he wants a reminder to help save people. Yeah. Uh, save someone if you save can. Save someone. Yeah. yeah. Would you uh, Would you ever want that? Would you want your, your face to remind you of a specific thing when you look in the mirror to be like... Either something deep or like every time I look in the mirror, I remember take out the trash. <laughs> <laughs> My earlobes are just plastic bags. Um, yeah, I, I think the way that it is for him, where it is like a thing, it's like, hey, here is a note into your like number one deepest calling. Yeah. Yes. I think that's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. And I, I like that they managed to make a very deep point out of what it what just was. We like this actor. He was already on the show. We want to use him again. And they, they didn't just put it under the rug. Cause you know, it's hot, you know, like Colin Baker had been on the show before yeah. and they had him be the doctor and no one seemed to care. But like, I like that. And Amy Pond, uh, she had been on the show yeah. before. And, yeah. But in the episode he was in, but I like that they were like, let's make it something. Let's make it a thing. And they even like in deep breath, there's a moment where it's like, what can I be trying to tell myself that I have to like leave a message for or something like that? Yeah. 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 So it's a compelling idea. Um, I, I I don't know how I would answer my own question of what I would want my face to remind me. Yeah, I don't know what it Maybe would just, be. I mean, it's a pretty good message to save people. 
Yeah. That, I mean, but that's kind of his thing. That would be a big yeah. burden to, if I, every day I went and looked in the mirror and was like, save people, like, how? I don't have a box. Well, and I don't want to have Capaldi's face because I'm a woman, so. <laughs> I wouldn't mind Capaldi's face. Yeah, uh, you would, I think, I actually think you'll probably grow into his face anyway. I, like, I, knowing I what you look like now, think, I would be. Yeah, I think it, it's an interesting thing for chance. me, for, yeah. for loving Doctor Who for a long time. This is the first Doctor that I can see, like. I could be that doctor in a while. Yeah, because you're not a cosplay guy from what I can tell, but I feel like no. if you were going to cosplay, like, you could easily do a Capaldi cosplay and people would just, like, like there is a whole, like, culture of cosplayers who just happen to look like their favorite character. It's yeah. like a weird... It's like there's a guy who looks just like... Um, Delgado's master who is at every galley and he did he did tell me like he wasn't like obsessed with Delgado but once he saw him I was like oh my god well I have to do this guy he's he's there every year now and he looks it looks like Delgado has shown up out of a TARDIS somewhere. right he looked in the mirror at his face and his face's message was take over cosplay <laughs> this character from 1970s message was television. you need to control the world <laughs> go make deals master. with various alien races to do that uh, I, I read an interesting Wikipedia quote about the whole cosplay thing that said Capaldi also stated that he chose the 12th Doctor's costume so fans of the show who enjoy cosplay could easily emulate it without going to great expense. Now, you have cosplayed the yeah, 12th Doctor, right? several times. Did the Capaldi, uh, Capaldi plan work? I don't think it did, unfortunately. <laughs> I think it was noble, and I, I think it's great. I think it did... The problem is cosplay has two very distinct camps. And one of those camps is very much like, hey, you do your thing and you do your best expression of what this character is to you. Yeah. And then the other camp is screen accurate. Like, that's the thing. And you have these people who it's fascinating for me as a comedian because I spend like my art expression is like, oh, what am I going to spend on producing my album or traveling to cities to do yeah. shows that I'm not getting paid for or whatever like that. And like, um, and like, you know, and like actors take like acting classes or whatever. And you get these people who are these like professional, co- like not professional cosplayers, but like cosplay is their big hobby. Yes, and is their, they do. Yeah, it's their way of entertaining themselves. It's like playing guitar or whatever. And they will spend thousands of dollars on getting the exact coat that he wore from an episode and yeah. like getting and like and i respect that like i if that's your thing and you go out for it it's great i think sometimes there can be a little bit of like an an air of prioritizing those kinds of cosplays over okay. people who spent time just like making like what was their like heart's desire cosplay and like i'm never going to be somebody who's seen a screen accurate because i do a gender swap doctor i do a female version of a 12th doctor yeah. and there are some times where it kind of stinks when like you can tell someone's like oh hey look, can you pose with your doctor costume and they'll get a guy who looks to just wearing like all bought things that are the exact things and i'm like you know what to be fair you did spend about 2500 dollars or more on that outfit and right. i probably i did not but still it's like I went through a lot of work finding a vest and a coat and boots that I thought were great for this character. Right. So you and, want uh, you want the passion to be valued in cosplay as well as the yeah. accuracy and the huge amount of money. Yeah. Luckily, there is a pretty wide swath of like gender swap and like racial swap or like just like variations yeah. on cosplay that you still can find a place. So I think for that regard, he did do a great job of making it. What's funny is the first year that he was on and when his only costume we really saw from him was just his blue coat with the red lining and like a white shirt and occasionally different shirt, like a holy jumper or whatever. And like Christmas time, you saw him with the hoodie. Like that yeah. was the only variation. So it was actually hard to cosplay as him because if you didn't have that right coat, like no one knew you even tried. I, I, I dressed as him for the, my first galley, but I didn't dye my hair. Okay. So I had a vest, a long black coat, a black skirt, and like tights and boots. And because my hair was kind of reddish, everyone thought I was supposed to be Amy Pond. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't so but the next year there was like trickling out set photos and there was like the first one we saw was him in his red velvet coat right and i fell in love with that coat i wanted it so badly and i spent like all summer trying to find it and i could not find it couldn't find it and i finally found this like um steampunk website that had a women's like red like vi- like victorian kind of coat that like buckled back a little bit like 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 it like folded a bit had like had like a tail okay and it has a really cool cut to it and so i got that and i built this really awesome like lady 12 out of it and by kamikaze i had it and the thing is that episode still hadn't aired yet but the <laughs> promo the promos had and so there was like a handful of us that had those red coats and it felt like a badge of honor to be like a like, like my friend called it the red velvet cupcake doctors <laughs> like, nice yeah and so so you guys were uh, uh, all dressed as like what 30 seconds of preview footage yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> and it's become kind of a pretty regular coat for him to wear at this point but um i guess really though it's only been a few episodes because it it happened in face the ravens when he wore it which is the like third to last episode of yeah. that series and then 
he wore it for a bit in uh, Heaven Sent, but he kind of takes it off because the hope sends him wandering a castle and like like whatever. And then uh, it's a great episode. Um, he had it on the Christmas specials too. Okay, cool. That's like the only time we've only, so we've only seen it in about four episodes. Yeah, but he's. I made the joke. The reason why he was leaving the show was they had run out of jackets because he <laughs> has had a ridiculous amount of jackets. Like this coming season, they have him now in the black velvet jacket with a blue liner. Well, like, maybe he's just trying to make cosplay easier. It's, it's like, great. No, I think the it's more jackets fantastic. I have, you might just have them in your closet. Yeah. Uh, so he is wrapping up. Uh, yeah. We're recording this episode a little bit earlier, but as we're releasing it, uh, the new season of Doctor Who is going to premiere on Saturday. Yeah. This is going to be his final season. Then he's going to be in the the holiday Christmas special. Yeah. And then our beloved 12th Doctor is gone. I'm not ready. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to be ready by Christmas. I, I'm really upset that he's leaving. Because I yeah. really wanted to get at least one more year out of him. I wanted. I didn't predict that he would be a Tom Baker. That he would stay for seven years. And I do understand that he is in his 50s. And it is a very physically demanding role. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is a time demanding role as well. Um, but I, I wanted him to stay around for like three or four. Like four or five <laughs> years I wanted him to. And he kind of did. But there was a big break in the middle. But I just, the showrunner, Stephen, uh, Stephen Moffat, is leaving as well. And I kind of just wanted to see a year of Capaldi with a different showrunner. And it's not, this is not me being anti-Moffat. I just wanted to see what a different voice running the show would yeah. do with this same character and get like an interesting take on it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you're emotionally invested in him. You're yeah. not ready for him to leave. No. Maybe the season will prepare you for it. It looks pretty good. How do you want him to regenerate? How do you want him to go? I, I want him to not go. So <laughs> I don't want him to go. Um, that's my... Like, but I, he has to go. Yeah. Um, okay. Regeneration is one of those. It's the curse and the gift of Doctor Who because it is always so sad. And that the first time you see a new face, there's something alien about it. But sometimes there's something so beautiful, a human gets tattooed. Yeah. I like mean, the yourself. thing is, the, I will be okay when he's gone because I, I think the number one constant of doctor who is it's a show about change and yeah. like i as much as like when he came on he was a tough doctor for a lot of people to get used to and i've i've had a lot of people who loved matt smith who like don't really like capaldi's doctor and don't really, and i get annoyed when they're like well if he's still there i don't care to watch it and i'm like but this show is supposed to be different all the time that's the point <laughs> of it so yeah. i have to listen to my own advice and understand that and and make that kind of part of how i feel about the show in my, my own life in general like, things change and you accept, yeah. you have to accept that I kind of, on that note, especially because I know it's going to break his heart to do it, I kind of want him to just do it. Like, I don't, like, I think just that... Just do it? Like, like regenerate himself? Like, I, I, no, I mean, himself? I, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want him to, I want him to commit heart. Uh, I want, I want him to, to face it standing up and not fight it. Which, I mean, I guess Matt Smith kind of did that because Matt Smith, like, thought he was going to die. His yeah. character did and then was given regeneration. So he's kind of like, no, that's happening or whatever. But, uh, yeah, the way, like, Eccleston, Doctor... Just, like, saw what was happening to Rose, saw that she was going to die because she had, like, absorbed the time stream. And so he pulled it into himself, let it destroy him, and turn into David Tennant. Like, he just did it. And he's like, no, this is what's happening. I was, But that was great. And, like, yeah. I, I like the idea of him. I, I, I think Capaldi's doctor should go with dignity. I think he should be... With dignity? Or do you want it to be, like, big and bold? Like, this is a, this is a doctor who... Uh, has stood, you know, in an arena yeah. playing a guitar. Do you want it to be like a... Oh, yeah, that's what I, I mean. When uh, I say dignity, I don't, I don't coming mean... and I stand tall and there, there's no waffling around. Well, uh, if, it, the... if it's bullets, I don't want a doctor to then kill him on the medical table. I will say that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I definitely want it to be something on... Like, when I say dignity, I don't mean, like... I don't want him sitting, like, playing chess on a table and, like, and, like falling over and, like... Uh, I want him to be, like... I want him to face it and, okay. be, like, stand... I, I want a moment, like... I guess Smith kind of had that with the like when they gave him don't tell me the rules and like blows up the thing or whatever. I do I definitely want him to like be triumphant when he regenerates. Yeah. I don't want it to be something that's going to break my heart. Okay. And it, I mean it will a little bit. I will be. It's going to be anybody that's not him is going to break gonna my heart. It's going to terror fold your heart at least a little bit if mm -hmm. not entirely break it. Yeah, I'll never be the same again. Um oh, I died that day. <laughs> so one of the one of the uh weird and controversial and awesome things about his run as the doctor is instead of having the sonic screwdriver tool that the doctor normally has, he has sonic sunglasses. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you if you could have sonic anything, what would you want to be sonic? 
Ooh, that's a good question. Because <laughs> I, I think in my mind, I immediately want that sonic screwdriver because he has an awesome the one. They were, the one they replaced his sunglasses with is that yeah. cool with the blue and the rotating lights, which was really a fun screwdriver. My, maybe my favorite design out of all of them. Um, <laughs> would it be horrible if I said like Sonic? God, I don't want to say eyeliner, but I wear a lot of <laughs> eyeliner. And people compliment me on my eyeliner a lot. So maybe, yeah, maybe Sonic eyeliner. I don't know. I think Sonic they, eyeliner is great. Yeah, that's what I'm, that was what I, I don't like what it says about me, but that was what came in my head. So I'm going to go with it. <laughs> go with it. Yeah. Hey, guys, this is Sarah Meyer, co-producer of this show. And... While I am not obsessed with Doctor Who myself, I am obsessed with talking to strangers. So I'm out on Wilshire Boulevard in L.A. getting ready to find some and ask them how they feel. Are you familiar with Doctor Who? No, I'm not. (laughs) Who? What was that movie with James Bond long ago? Doctor, wasn't there a... Doctor No. Doctor No. Yeah, okay. That's what I was thinking about. Um, It's science fiction. Do you like science fiction? No. Cowboys and Indians all the way. It is a long-running British TV series, uh, sci-fi fantasy. Are you a fan? Well, when I was a kid, I remember seeing it with the old uh, trash can Daleks, and it looked charming, but not my scene. But my friends are addicted, massively, massively addicted. So do they ever invite you to come over and watch it with them? I have been invited. I have yet to go, though. What excuse do you use to get out of it? Well, you know, I've got a shampoo. If you could travel anywhere in time, where and when would you go? 1790s to the 1830s during the times of the mountain man. Would you go with him? No. That's not my style. When and where would you go? Maybe Hawaii 20 years ago. My daughter was living over there then. Would you bring him to Hawaii with you? Oh, yeah. He'd go definitely for a short time. Ooh, I'd probably go back to India 5,000 years ago and go to the temples and see what's going on back when women were more worshipped of goddesses and see what that was like and and why the pendulum went so far the other direction. (laughs) So the current doctor, the 12th doctor, uh, has great eyebrows. Describe the perfect eyebrows to you. The perfect eyebrows? I'd say with a rakish devil-may-care arch. What's cool, eyebrows? Natural. God-made. Untouched. A lot of my friends are obsessed with Doctor Who. I'm obsessed with woodworking. Could you build a wooden Dalek? I could. From memory? From memory, they were just like garbage cans with some paper mache, weren't they? I think I could do that. Yeah. What kind of wood would you use? I would probably use a mixture of Macassar ebony and uh, possibly some Purple Heart and some African Paduke just for some red flashes to really make it pop. Your friends would love that so much you know i think you just solved my entire christmas shopping problem for next year we're gonna move on to our how obsessed are you questions awesome so you know these questions yeah or variations of them I, mm-hmm. I switched a couple of them up since you've last been on the podcast so mm-hmm. we'll see what you think do you think about the 12th doctor every day yes and not just because he's tattooed on my body <laughs> Uh, so you really do like you, your mind just wanders to it, uh, when you're at work, when you're grocery shopping, when you're just living life, you think about the 12th doctor. I, I legitimately think that his version of a doctor has changed who I am as a person, mm-hmm. like, or like not changed it, but made me like aware of who I want to be. And like, yeah. So because of that, I, I do think that I think of him a lot because I kind of do like, there's, like I said, I mentioned it briefly earlier, there's an episode in the last, this most recent season that he was in, uh, Series 9, where he, like, talked about the nature of war. And it, that whole thing I mentioned earlier about nuance and fighting. Yeah. Like, that really made me go, huh, that's that, that's how I want to see the world. Like, I want to be better about that. And I'm not always good at it, but I'm trying to be. And so, I think I think of him a lot because he's yeah. he's the, like, like it's, I hate to say what would the doctor do, but that's the kind of feeling that I have. Like, his... His doctor is who I would like to be able to like aspire to. Yeah, be. and I think he is a good role model for that because I think sometimes when when people say very peaceful, nice things like "let's mediate, let's see the gray in the middle," there's an expectation that the person delivering that message should be able to always be that too. Yeah, and it's great because the twelfth doctor is conflicted yeah. he's angry he uses uh, sarcasm as a weapon he doubts yeah. himself like someone but he still puts across that message because because yeah. the- he knows what happens if you don't and yeah. like he talks about in that episode about like war he's like 
He's like, even if you go to war and you go to war and you do all the damage, all the things, you are still eventually going to have to sit down and talk, which is yeah. what you should. And like, it's that whole thing about like, so he understands the futility of, of not doing it, but he still himself knows he has blood on his own hands for doing it. And yeah, yeah it's great. That's really cool. He comes from a place of, I have made this mistake myself and will continue to, and please be better than I am at it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, would you drive a car with a large decal of the 12th doctor's face on it? Just right across the hood, huge Capaldi face on the hood of your car. I think I'd be afraid that people would think it was somebody else. Like, like why, did, why does she have Colonel Sanders on? Like, because they wouldn't be able to see it from the angle or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I mean, okay, would it be a photo of his face or would it be like like a Rachel Stott like comic book art? Because I might do that. We'll go with comic book art. Yeah, I think I could do that. Yeah, okay. if Rachel Stott wants to go ahead and send me like a giant decal of her work yeah. and make sure her make sure his hair is really big. And she's the artist of the she 12th does the Doctor, 12th Doctor comic. comics. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and then and her I think, work is great. So. Uh, all the people who uh, have to fly helicopters for news and police and weather would really yeah. enjoy seeing that. Clearly. And they have to blur it out every time they were on, uh, <laughs> on the news. But I get now when I go on my crazy uh, car chase, then yeah. they will have to blur out the front of my car. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, the Riley's uh, casino that. run or whatever. Uh, if you spent an hour in an isolation tank, mm-hmm. how much of that hour would you spend thinking about the 12th Doctor? Um, at least part of it, because there's an episode of the show where he's put <laughs> in an isolation true. tank for about like a cent- like a millennia. So yeah, I would at least some point in that tank, I'd be like, "This is like the end of uh, before the flood or after yeah. the flood." But you like ha- you have a lot of different interests and obsessions. Yeah, and, like this is this is a very uh, relevant one. Is he's the current Doctor? He's coming to his end. Yeah. Uh, would other obsessions fight for dominance as you're sitting there in the tank? Oh, I'm sure over time they would. But uh, yeah, I mean. It would, it, it would definitely come up. Like, it's one of the ones that I know for sure would come up. Whereas okay. other ones I'm like, I may or may not care about as much. Like, let's put it this way. Like, I I did not care for Class, the uh, BBC spinoff okay. of Doctor Who. But I watched the pilot just because I knew the 12th Doctor was going to be in it. Like, I knew, okay. I knew he was going to show up in it. And, like, I had not seen him in, like, a year. Like, I need to see 12. So, what, when's this going to happen? So, okay. Yeah. And you're collecting the comic book, it sounds like? Uh, I'm starting to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. If you owned a sports team... Would you name them the Capaldis? The Capaldis. Um. <laughs> the fighting Capaldis. No, I would call them Dr. Funkensteins. <laughs> Why would you call them Dr. That's one of his nicknames. In, oh. uh, in the Zygon inversion. Like, oh, he's like, my okay. name is, my, he was like, that's my name. I'm Basil Funkenstein or whatever. <laughs> like, yes, they would be. I, I, would give, I would give them a nickname that was more like one of his clever nicknames for himself over okay. the course of the. So a deep could, reference. Yeah. <laughs> I would be frightened of a football or soccer team named Funkenstein. Yeah. <laughs> um would you have a 12th doctor themed birthday party? Hell yes. Oh my god. I think I I don't know why I haven't already. Yeah, I I think that I yeah. How would it how would it play out? Would you want everyone to dress with a different twelfth uh, doctor coat? Would you want a twelfth doctor? Cake? No, I'm the I'd be the doctor. And like we're if all any, anybody else showed up, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and I would I wouldn't know who anybody was. Um, if if everyone if, if everyone showed up, and I'd be like, no, I would be the doctor at that party. I think what I would make everybody do is dress up like we were in that medieval. Uh, jousting ring or whatever okay. and i would be or it'd be something like that like that would be the kind of uh any, anyone is free to be any other doctor they would want to okay. be but if anybody showed up as the tw- as a 12th doctor at my birthday party i would be very unhappy with them i like the delightful confusion of you inviting your friends to say this is a 12th doctor <laughs> yes, birthday party i'll be dressed as this you must dress as though you're watching a medieval joust <laughs> What the hell? Why? And then one person would be Missy. Like that would be. <laughs> um, have you or would you edit the Twelfth Doctor's Wikipedia page if you found something incorrect? Uh, if I if I had the ability to do it, I would totally do it. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever yeah corrected someone in person? I don't think so. Um, I'm not that because I don't I don't like that kind of fan. Right. Like so, I don't think that I would do it to somebody in person. But I think an impersonal thing, like a. Uh, like a Wikipedia page where I wouldn't be like hurting someone's feelings. Yeah. Like, so that's one place where I'm not as much like the doctor. I mean, I know I mean, I'm definitely mean to people, other things, but yeah. <laughs> um, as far as like fandoms, I'm, I tend to not be like crappy to people. I'm sure I have casually, like if someone says something, I might just like casually go like, Oh yeah, this, like whatever, like let's say the yeah. wrong episode name and I would probably say the right one, but I wouldn't be like, Oh, you're wrong. That is actually the, uh, <laughs> the episode is the second version where uh, we actually see. Yeah. So, okay. But so you would try to casually correct someone is, is so understanding that you want to avoid being a jerk. Yeah. You still want people to know the right thing. 
about the 12th doctor right i kind of do yeah yeah because he's so great <laughs> i want everyone to like, like it's it's you know look if, if, you, if you're not going to follow the faith correctly like how do you know you're actually going to get into the promised land <laughs> the 12th doctor promised yeah land. uh speaking of the promised land mm-hmm. would you swear to none if she said something mean about the 12th doctor would i swear to none yeah fuck yeah <laughs> I don't, I'm not Catholic. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, uh, I don't know where you encounter a nun. Let's say Starbucks. Yeah. And the nun sees you reading the 12th Doctor comic book. Yeah. And she walks over and just like, 12th Doctor, he's shit. Like, I prefer the third Doctor. Would you be like, screw you, nun. I, I would go, well, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> so you, you I mean, I know, engage. I know that at Gallifrey One, you were on a panel of people that, that scientifically proved the third doctor is the best doctor of all that time. That was not science. Yeah. Was... I, I still hold, I love Paul Cornell. I think he miscounted the last set of votes. I do think <laughs> the fourth doctor won. I, I will, all, I think that, I think that was fake news. No, I think that it was, I think the popular vote was correct. I think that the fourth doctor won, but yeah. you know, I can't take it back. So it was done fast. It was done for fun. And yeah. still it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. I, I advocated pretty strong for the 12th doctor. You did. You actually had a great, you advocated very strong for, for 12 and 4 and for most of the same reasons. And it was yeah, very good. They just, you were very fun on that panel. You got, you got so mad that they were voting <laughs> the wrong way. And like, uh, I know at one point the war doctor beat the 11th doctor and you were not having it. Like you were so mad. It it's, was great. You know, it's the, I, I mean, I played it up obviously for the, the comedy of the panel, but it, that's the kind of geek thing that gets on my nerves. It's like, hey, factual mistakes, we can all Google those. Yeah. Themes and ideas is what gets me going about geek stuff. Yeah, me too. And the whole idea of the war doctor, which you had mentioned early on, is the, yeah. the doctor in between, is that he doesn't, he wishes he didn't have to exist because he fought a war. But. So it's like, why would you, that's so cruel to the doctor to say if he could only have one doctor, how about the one that he doesn't want to have ever been? But the very resolution to that episode is that like when they come back to help him, they say, like, you were the doctor when it mattered the most. Like, yeah. you were actually the most doctor out of all of us. So, because, like, even when he thought it was the worst mistake he had to make, like, he knew he had to do it, and he yeah. did it anyway. And, like, so, but, like, that was, like, we're going to make sure you're not alone doing it. And then they go, eh, no, he won't do it at all. But, uh... <laughs> So I, I think there is some element of that to it, which could have been made. But since no one, no one else in the panel thought to bring that up to, to bring you down, I think your rant still stands. <laughs> my rant stands. But I was in the audience thinking want. that. Yeah, <laughs> this to be validated in my ranting. Yeah. Uh, all right. A couple more. How obsessed are you? Question. Sure. If a bear was blocking you from watching the Twelfth Doctor's final episode, <laughs> would you try to get around the bear? I think you asked me this bear question at the Rogue One thing I too. Did. And yes, I would. <laughs> you would navigate the bear yes. somehow. Yes. You would take with any my risk. So- with my with my sonic uh, eyeliner. I would <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would look it in the eyes. Yes, and I would I would play dead for a long time if I if, if I if I could, yeah. and then I would go around it to watch it. And the, what would the sonic eyeliner do? Would it would it create like a, a, a pheromone that makes it think a cub is in trouble? Or? <laughs> yes, that's what it would do. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if the sonic eyeliner would be if the if the eyeliner on my face would be sonic, or oh. if the actual eyeliner pencil would be sonic. Because the problem with the pencil is like, I got, what if it's a pencil that never like runs down because it's sonic? Oh, nice. But that actual thing, because I think it'd be weird. I think I think the eyeliner, if it's the liner, is kind of running into sonic. sonic glasses territory at that point yeah so yeah you want to leave that to capaldi <laughs> yeah i'm not gonna take his thing uh final how obsessed are you question uh is always crotch based uh but i'm ha. switching it up i'm experimenting a little bit fair if you couldn't watch the 12th doctor's final episode without punching someone else in the crotch would you still watch the 12th doctor's final episode do i get to pick the person whose crotch i punch now i i designed this flaw into the question to see if that is the first thing that people ask <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough <laughs> yeah yeah you get to pick oh then i probably would yeah <laughs> so uh is there someone uh that you feel like you morally feel doctor who is a very moral show yeah and you feel like morally there is someone who deserves the pain of a punch in the crotch oh, in man. order for you to enjoy this very moral show doctor who you just put me in like a like a paradox because <laughs> if I if I then punch someone, then I'm not living like the doctor would live. Well, the doctor has threatened to punch people several times on the... Uh, the, the doctor crosses the line when yeah, he has he to. threatens to punch Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> and there is a degree of... of and like, you know, William Hartnell's doctor was going to flat out kill someone with a rock. But... Um, <laughs> Oh boy, now I don't, now I feel like if I punch someone, do I not then get to deserve to watch the 12th Doctor? But what you're saying about your love of the 12th Doctor is that uh, he is open to wrestling with these moral quandaries and accepting that being the Doctor means saving people, but it sometimes means taking awful, horrible risks and doing 
It's true. Not being able to save everyone. He does say sometimes there's not a right choice to make, but you still have to choose. So I would yeah. have to choose. I, I guess I just would, I would spend the rest of the year trying to figure out who deserved that, that crotch punch <laughs> so that I could, I could unleash it onto him. Uh, this is a dangerous time to be friends with Riley Silverman. <laughs> Don't be around. Actually, I feel bad because my best friend and I usually watch the Christmas special together. <laughs> so I guess technically Matt just... Get a cod piece or something because it's gonna have to be you, I think. So. Yeah, exactly. You can work the around discretion, yeah. so it can be Matt with yeah. a cod piece. I'll I mean, punch Matt with a cod. I mean, definitely, you, like you said, someone. Like it doesn't have to be a man, so it could be someone. Yeah, it could be anyone. It could be someone whose crotch would not be as damaged by a Absolutely. punch. Absolutely. So that might be. But then again, that's abusive. So I don't know. Now I don't know what to do. Um, but we'll figure it out. Okay. But we'll I will do it. it. I'll do it. It's you will do happen. It. Okay. Good. Yeah. I may. I ask everyone uh, to make a noise to sum up their obsession. Can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with the twelfth doctor? Um, the <laughs> I used to have this as the ringtone on my phone, <laughs> and it was just him yelling "an idiot!" Like that was the. <laughs> and so whenever I would get a text on my phone, the doctor would just yell "an idiot" at the thing. So that's my noise. It's, it's my bad impression of Peter Capaldi oh, saying "an idiot." <laughs> that's great. And it was a terrible tone because I didn't get a good like I got it off of like a music video of him. Okay, so you can hear the very like last note of the song that was playing before he said it. So I was like, an idiot. Like it was the weirdest. It was so abrasive. And I remember my friends like, you have to change that from your phone. <laughs> That's great. I'm yeah. sure it made you even more receptive to getting texts. Right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I've been rating people's obsession. Yeah. On a scale of one to seven, seven being the highest uh, for Capaldi. We'll say seven eyebrows. Okay. They make a lot out of his angry fighting eyebrows. Yeah. So out of seven eyebrows, this one is hard because part of your obsession to me is certainly you are a fan of Doctor Who and you have many Doctor Who fan opinion reasons to be like, hey, he's my favorite Doctor. But then you have these deeper connections that is about your journey in life that mm-hmm. you tie to him. So I, I think I'm going to go high. I think I'm going to go like All right. six out of seven. I'll take that. Eyebrows. Yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a, a six out of seven. That's yeah. good. What do, you, what, did you, what do you feel is right? No, I think a six is good. Yeah, I'm not going to be so self-egregious that I would think that I would deserve a seven. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll take a six. Some people interpret seven as like a reward, and other people like, y- if you give me a seven, you're saying I have a problem. No, I mean, I would be happy to have seven, but I'm also not going to feel like I failed because I'm not yeah. a seven. Like, I think just uh, uh, part of the reason I've always done this podcast is because I'm an obsessive person. I'm interested in how people manage to take something that they like maybe take it a little uh, farther mm-hmm. than maybe they should maybe dance with the darkness yeah but how do they how do you express it when you just like something so much that you need to do yeah, something yeah. about it and i feel like tattooing a mission statement for life on your mm-hmm. on your wrist is a pretty hardcore thing yeah and i think that like that's why it's a six because it's like an obscure thing as opposed to being like just his face like it's not like cause i have yeah. seen people who like get a celebrity to like sign their body and then they go to the first tattoo parlor they can find and have that that thing yeah. signed and like i i like peter capaldi a lot i would not do that to him yeah. I, i'd actually maybe i would <laughs> I, I might have him do it right below this but like but yeah and like i wouldn't have like his face already on my body when that happened like some people would um right. and i think also there's a degree of fan that is obsessed not just with the character but like also knowing like every detail and every trivial fact about stuff like right. that and i've never been i've never been a trivia person right so that's why i'm like yeah a seven would probably be it would be unjustified yeah but okay. six i'll take it cool that tattoo was good so uh we're on to plug in so yeah. let people know where they can find you uh on social media and then we'll talk a little bit about your podcast and anything else you want to sure. plug awesome um social media you can find me on twitter at rye silverman r-y-e-s-i-l-v-e-r-m-a-n uh you can find me on instagram and facebook at riley silverman um and that's my social media cool yeah. cool and you've got a new podcast that's coming out uh it should, because of when this is going to drop it's already out actually nice. it, actually in real life it dropped today it oh, dropped cool. yesterday but it's a new podcast called the regenerates and it's a doctor <laughs> who podcast we are on the boardwalk audio network and it is myself and uh and we call him chan but robert robert clark chan a comedian uh, improv actor an la writer um he and i are doing this podcast together um i used to have a doctor who podcast that was like a classic who podcast and i loved it it, it, it kind of fell apart for personal reasons but I took a while off. But after coming back from Gallifrey One this year, I was yeah. just I really, really miss talking with Doctor Who every week and having a podcast. And so we started it up again. Uh, the old one was Classic Who. We're going to stick with New Who for this one for now. Yeah. Because um, I think more fans that are listening connect to it. And it's easier to have like conversations with people about it. Um, a lot of times at my old show, 
people go, oh, you have Doctor Who podcast. And I'm like, yeah, it's about classic Who. And then like, oh, okay, well, you have fun. <laughs> um, they're like, I don't want to sign up for 50 years of homework to watch your podcast. Which, like, we, I don't think you had to for our show. But um, so we're trying to be more, we want to talk about, we're going to do it mostly as an episode recap, but we are going to okay. talk about themes of the show and like what we connect to and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, we right now, when we're recording this, I think by the time this drops, you'll be able to start picking up with us as we pick up with the new series as it begins. But what we're doing, because we only had about four weeks of episodes before the new series. And so rather than like start a season, stop it, start the new series, and then go back to that season, what we did was we've invited guests on who have never watched Doctor Who. Oh, cool. And we've given them each an episode that we consider like our starter kit episodes. Like so episodes that we think perfectly encapsulate a particular doctor and are also accessible to a non-viewer. Right, so to hook people. This is the the, the <clears throat> drug to get them hooked. Yeah, it's like if you... Okay, the idea is like, we're going to show you this episode. Our theor- the person who picks it, our theory is... We think this show will get you to want to watch more. And okay. so we bring the guest on. I encourage the guest not to watch or read anything about the show until they watch the episode. And then I want to have them tell me what, what they think the show is based on the episode they watched. Wow. And I bet um, you're getting interesting answers. Yeah. We've only done one. We only taped one so far. Okay. Um, we've been asking listener. We were asking viewers on our social media to tell us what episodes they would pick. And so we did for the first episode, we did the two part Eccleston arc of the empty child and Dr. Dances. Nice. Um, we just felt like it was like, we wanted to do one for each doctor. We felt like out of his Rose, the original episodes can be really tough for a new viewer sometimes. And this one was very much more like it throws you right into it. And it's got fun characters, a good historical story. It's also really, really creepy. And so, and it also was one of the, and like, it gives you one of the first views of a doctor being like so excited he gets to win. And so yeah. it was a good two-parter. And I think we did get her willing to watch it, but I think she might've gotten more on it based on us talking about it on the podcast than the episode <laughs> itself. But nice. we'll see how it goes moving forward. Well, you're going to increase uh, the fandom one person at a time. <laughs> yes. One and well, then, and time. then once the series begins, we'll probably go back to more like having guests on who know the show and want to talk about nice. it. But, nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I will happy to rant and rave Anytime. about Doctor Who if you'll let me. Yeah. And also uh, real quick plug to i write for a podcast called international waters it is a uh, trivia panel game show uh it is uh it's american comedians versus british comedians and uh we often do a lot of british pop culture jokes on there including dr who in fact cool. i i actually stumped we stumped we had ingrid oliver on as a last minute guest <laughs> and i had written a question about peter capaldi leaving the show and she did not get it right so it was nice. real funny yeah. you stumped uh, yeah. who fan nice uh, here's some quick plugs for this very podcast, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. It all makes so much sense. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episodes where I chat with my wife, Sarah, about something we're both obsessed with in the moment. For full <laughs> For on that, go to patreon.com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast feed I co-host called Force Center, wherever fine podcasts are streamed and downloaded and whatnot. Uh, so, final questions. Yes. These don't have anything to do with uh, your main obsession, but sure. you can roll old Peter Capaldi in if you want. Okay. If you could telepathically command an army of animals, what kind of animal would you want to command? Sloths. <laughs> that could come up a lot. <laughs> yeah, and it always comes up fast, which amuses yeah. me. Anytime that somebody says it, sloths, yeah. they say it with great speed. It's it's amazing how much sloths have really just like pushed themselves into the culture's zeitgeist. Because I would say I yeah. never really, I knew what a sloth was, we'll say four or five years ago, but I would say like last two or three years especially, it feels like sloths are just like, I, and I don't think it's just Zootopia. I think Zootopia was like the culmination of it. Oh, yeah, but yeah. And like I feel like there was a lot of memes that were popping up with sloths in them, and there was the whole thing with uh, Kristen Bell, where she's like, sobbing on Ellen because of their because the the slot that, <laughs> that's that right Dax brought to her birthday or whatever um but I think I think that's why I would do it I don't think they would be a formidable opponent but I think the whole other army like oh my god look at this loss and, and then and then they have those claws they would get you with yeah claws. real so, slow like because I'm controlling coming, them but... so I don't think a real slot would be and then with gentle, but I think that like yeah, once the army comes up, this they were like slow monsters are scary. Yeah, absolutely. like that's what that's the whole premise behind zombie films. So imagine imagine a zombie film, but instead of zombies, it's like a million slots like crawling yeah, at, the, at the windows of the mall, slowly and then turning the doorknobs yeah. <laughs> with their little claws. <laughs> what if they weren't they being did. violent? What would you what would you have them do for you if they were just oh. helping you out in life? What would you have them do for you? 
I mean, first of all, just existing because they're adorable. Um, they would be, <laughs> that is a service. Um, I would have them, uh, you know, when the microwave beeps, I'd tell them to go get it because <laughs> no one ever waits that minute for the thing to settle like the microwave instructions oh, say yeah. to do, but the sloth would take that while to get there. That way you have the time for the food to cook all the way. They would uh, have the cool down built in. Yes. Yeah. Nice. If you could have an unlimited supply of anything, what would you want? Ooh, that's a good question. I want to, ooh. Um... That's a really, really good question. Darn you, Because <laughs> uh, everything, if, like, there's a lot of things that you would like, like, if you like, oh, like sour candy, then I think you're like, you're like 300 pounds. So yeah. that wouldn't be it. Um, but you don't have to eat them all. Mileage, air miles. Air miles. Oh, that's if a I very had, good If one. I had the ability to never have to pay for a flight again and could always go where I wanted to go, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. Air miles, yep. Yes, because then you could afford travel much better. Yeah. You could get anywhere You're as a Comedian. only paying for the hotel. Because I was getting ready to be greedy and go, and I would use those towards hotel points. Too, but I'm not going to, like, just, just the flights. Yeah, as a comedian, I can use it. But also just, like, as someone who wants to, like, randomly. Because, like, you can get cheap hotels in, like, Thailand. But the flight yeah. costs you so much money to get there that it's hard to, like, make it worth your while unless you can stay for a while. But... Do miles extend to bringing pets on flights um could you bring your sloths i could bring my sloths I, I mean i would show up at the airport and they would take over that plane so um, um i mean if it's unlimited i guess it would yeah because you just i just buy all the seats on the plane see this is a great this is yeah. your sci-fi show now you're flying yeah. around on planes filled with sloths yeah so basically i've now become a centric billionaire with a private jet that's basically <laughs> what i've turned into on this show which is a great segue to the final question for everyone what is happiness is it being an eccentric billionaire with a plane full of sloths i never thought that until today but now that i've seen it I don't know what else would be. <laughs> um, yeah, I think happiness is just, I think a lot of people think happiness is having no problems and having no concerns, whatever. And I think that's like the maybe the basic version of happiness. But I think that in general, you're never going to have that. Yeah. So happiness is more about even when you know that things might be terrible or things are not going your way, like still being able to go like have a laugh at something like I, you know, I, I think that's really important. I think I think being able to laugh even when things might not always be as funny as they could be, is, is what happiness is. Yeah, is finding joy no matter what circumstances. Yeah. I'm much more aware of and experiencing a range of emotions than I used to because of my hormones and my transition. And I think that there have been plenty of times where I know a situation would have brought me down completely before. And now I, I still get angry and frustrated, but yeah. now I'm actually able to stop and go, huh, all right, that's kind of funny. Like, <laughs> and I, I like that about that. Yeah. So. Well, that's a great I'm a comedian too. I feel like that's a, I think that's a comedian. That's kind of your job is to like, when something terrible is happening to you, go, okay, what's funny here so I can tell it on stage. And then it doesn't hurt you as much as it used to. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. That is our podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Uh, one of my other favorite Capaldi moments is when he basically channels like a cleaner version of Malcolm Tucker and he just like shuts it to up, up, up in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> <laughs>